Hello, welcome back. Thank you for joining me. I've been making plans for my new novel and today I'm going to read from the first draft of the manuscript so you can see how those plans have translated into text. I've tried to create a slightly disconcerting world so later on Emily won't be completely sure whether or not she really has seen a murder and the other people who have witnessed it will easily be able to discount it as some sort of theatrical entertainment. Emily has arrived at the party but hasn't yet gone into the house. A man and a woman Emily didn't know stood at the bottom of the three or four steps that led up to the door to the house, sipping at cinnamon-scented mulled wine from white plastic cups and smoking cigarettes. They smiled at her as she passed, and she saw that the woman's lips were painted red and her teeth had been stained the colour of blackberries by the wine. Her brown fuzzy hair had been teased into an unflattering triangular shape and she seemed to have pencilled her eyebrows in without looking in a mirror. If you want the baby, said the man to the woman, have the baby. Or sell it, I don't care. The woman shrieked. She seemed deranged. The man dropped his cigarette and grabbed at her. Emily stopped on the top step and turned, ready to intervene. But the woman let him put his arms around her. She smooched with him, rubbing the fox fur collar of her long black coat against his shoulder, and the two of them turned slowly in each other's arms, like lovers dancing on a music box, as she began to sing the chorus of La Vie en Rose. Quand il me prend dans ses bras People standing nearby recognised the tune and came a little closer to listen. Some of them clapped. Emily moved on. Inside the house was a grand hall so large that it was served by two staircases. The plaster on the walls was cracked and there was a slight smell of mildew, but the flagstones on the floor had been scrubbed and the place had been fixed up with chandeliers hanging from the ceiling and original artwork on the walls. A man in a cape and a top hat swooshed past. He was young, no more than 21 or 22, and he was wearing a false moustache and had rouged his cheeks. He tipped his hat at Emily. Madame, he said. Emily smiled weakly. A heavy wooden door opened on the opposite side of the hall, and as two laughing teenage girls emerged, she saw that they'd come from the kitchen, and she headed there to leave her offerings. The kitchen was bare pretty much, except for a large porcelain sink and a cream-coloured fridge that was taller than Emily and twice as wide, and two trestle tables, one stacked with bottles of booze and a large pot of mulled wine that was being heated over a small portable gas burner, and the other laden with dishes prepared by the hosts or brought by the guests. Macaroni cheese, mince pies, quiches, pasta salads, rice salads, tuna salads, potato salads baked potatoes, garlic bread, and an assortment of minced pork, beef and lamb products in the form of sausages, scotch eggs, a cottage pie and chili con carne. Everything was on the spectrum from brown to cream and the overall effect was of a sepia-toned display that had been put together by someone nostalgic for a time before Britons had learned to cook, but after they had learned to shop at supermarkets. What a spread! said Dr Muriel, with the jovial sincerity of a popular visitor to an old people's home or a primary school. Wouldn't it be fun to try and guess who's brought what? 
Emily edged her cheesy p potato bake onto the table next to the scotch eggs, thinking it wouldn't be fun at all. Her dish had already congealed slightly, and the top was glazing over, as if she'd persisted in telling it a very dull story on the way here. From her trolley, Dr Muriel brought a bottle of port, two dozen homemade mince pies, and a large round Stilton cheese. Low self-esteem is often caused by low blood sugar, she said, filling a plate with a selection from the buffet. It's a good idea to eat well at parties. A young woman in a belted mac approached Emily. She was very, very thin, with dark, short hair held back with a clip, with tiny glass beads on it that nobody could possibly have mistaken for real jewels, and she came so close that Emily could smell the wardrobe smell on her coat. The flesh under her cheekbones was scooped out like a jack-o'-lantern, but prettier. My name is Elise. Can you help me? I need to get a message to our friend, but I'm being watched. I have information that is vital, vital to the success of our joint endeavour. Emily looked around uncertainly, and then she looked back at Elise, who was staring at her intently. What's the message, my dear? asked Dr Muriel. The train will leave at eight, with or without you. And who's it for? Who's our friend? Elise looked surprised at the question. Why, the man with the suitcase, of course. She turned to leave. Dr Muriel looked for somewhere to put her plate down so she could applaud as Elise walked away. There was no space on the trestle table, so she held on to her plate and thumped the top of her left hand with her right, as if she were trying to knock clods of mud from her Wellington boots. Marvellous, she said, marvellous, bravo! At the door that led to the Grand Hall, Elise turned and inclined her head. Then she was gone. More guests came into the kitchen. Some were even wearing fancy dress, but whether their costumes were homemade or hired, they were easily distinguishable from their guests, from their hosts. Their hosts moved purposefully through the rooms, like characters pouring into the party from an alternate world, obeying rules and impulses and reacting to events that only they could interpret, whereas their guests were just ordinary people who were standing about, enjoying the various entertainments, but contributing nothing. It was somehow a metaphor for life, but Emily couldn't see what she was supposed to learn from it. She was too old to run away and join a theatre troupe. Anyway, for now, something else was bothering her. I never know what to say, or even if we're supposed to join in. Nerve-wracking, isn't it? said Dr Muriel. She didn't look nervous at all. She looked as if she could stand and face a charging rhino. Emily left her and went to explore. So, there's a little bit about the character of Dr Muriel, uh, a little bit, uh, a, an introduction to the entertainments that will carry on throughout the party and will culminate in the knife-throwing in which uh, somebody actually dies. Um, there, were, there, are bits of it, there are bits of it that need tightening up and, oh, for example, just saying that she brings um, a large round Stilton cheese. Well, I could come up with something better than large and round, I should hope. And... Um,
yeah, something about, I don't know, something about the man in the cape. I like the, I like, I really like the two people at the bottom of the steps. And that's the first time that we're introduced, that we're slightly thrown off balance. Um, I, I believe in them. And I think that, um, I'm sorry about my singing though. I'm really sorry. I probably should have warned you. Obviously I can't sing. I think I'm quite good at writing, but I'm terrible at singing. Never mind. Never mind all that. I like them. Um, I still want to try and get to the murder as quickly as possible, while nevertheless um, introducing the reader to this, to the world, and and creating the atmosphere of the party. So uh, once I've written a little bit more, I'll, I'll be going through that and trying to make it go at quite a quite a quick pace, so that people follow along and they're not bored. So see you next time. I hope. Please come back. Thanks for joining me. Bye-bye.